0: Welcome to Lead On, the program where we talk about practical issues related to ministry leadership. I'm Jeff Orge, the president of Gateway Seminary, and I've been a ministry leader for a long time. I've been a ministry executive. I've also been a church planter and a pastor. In all those contexts, I've learned a lot about what it means to apply the Bible and sound theology to ministry issues that come up day to day in the work that we do. So this program is really focused on talking about practical issues related to ministry leadership, and it's more a conversation than a lecture program or a teaching program. I sure value the Bible teaching ministry that I'm able to do in other contexts, but that's really not what this program's about. This is about taking on some of the daily challenges of what it means to be a pastor or an elder or a missionary or a church planter, and really work through Uh, some perspective on how to do those things better, certainly from a Christian perspective, but also just from a best practices point of view. So today on the program, I'd like to talk about decision-making in ministry leadership, and I'd specifically like to talk about how to make better decisions. Decision-making is at the core of what leaders do. Uh, My youngest son was only about five or six years old when I moved out of pastoral ministry into executive leadership. And one day he asked his mom, what does daddy do? And my wife answered by reminding him of my new job title and assignment. And he said, I know that I know where daddy works, but what does daddy do? And my wife gave what was, I thought, a brilliant answer. She said to our little five, six-year-old, your daddy listens to people's ideas, and then he makes the decisions. Man, that's a good example or a good uh, illustration of what executive leaders do, of what ministry leaders do, of really what any leader does in their particular context. We listen to people and then After we've had all the input that we need and after we've gotten the direction that we can, we make decisions. And in fact, this is one of the reasons that some people don't want to be in leadership. They just don't want to make the decision. They don't want to decide who gets the job and who doesn't. They don't want to decide whether money gets spent or it doesn't. They don't want to decide which curriculum gets chosen or which Bible passage gets read they don't want to decide who gets to lead in certain areas like ministry to children or preschoolers or teenagers. They just don't want to decide. So therefore, they don't want to be a leader. But if you're a ministry leader, you're a pastor, a church planter, you're a denominational worker, you're a ministry executive, you're a preschool coordinator or a children's ministry leader, you're a deacon or an elder. If you're any of these people who's taken on any kind of leadership responsibility, you know that people are going to be asking you to make decisions. And you're going to have to make a lot of them. So how do you make better decisions in ministry leadership? A number of years ago, I was challenged to put this together in a more formal process. And so I developed something that I call a a decision tree or a set of steps that I work through, one that sort of leads to another that branches off, if you will, hence the idea of a tree that helped me to put into some order, some sequence, the steps that are required to making better decisions as a ministry leader. And I want to walk you through those today and help help you, if I can, to understand a perspective on how to make better decisions. Step one, pray. That shouldn't surprise you. That's a good place for ministry leaders to start when it comes to making better decisions. Pray. But more specifically, there's two different ways to pray about decision-making. The first kind of praying is what I call daily devotional praying to prepare yourself for leadership. Every leader needs to start the day with some Bible reading and prayer to get them ready for the day. And a part of that prayer time is praying a prayer something like this, God, today I will make many decisions. People will be coming at me for, for direction, for insight, for coaching. God, I'll make many decisions. Today, give me wisdom, give me insight, give me courage, give me direction. This kind of general praying, this kind of devotional praying, is a part of the daily preparation that we must make for spiritual leadership in our ministry settings. So the first way to pray is daily devotional praying. But the second way to pray is what I call specific issue praying about decisions you must make. For example, if you're searching for a new youth pastor to add to your team, you should be praying every day, God, bring me to the right person. Show me who you want us to select. Help me, Father, to make the right decision at the right time about who you want on our team. If you're considering something like a building project or something like a new church plant or a new ministry that you're going to start in your community, bring that specific issue before God in prayer. You know, I've recently had an experience with this. I was in the process of hiring a new vice president to work with me at the seminary. And in the context of that, I was both doing the daily devotional praying, God, give me wisdom, insight, and help me as I make decisions through the day. But I was also praying specifically about this vice presidential search. God, lead me to the right person. Show us who you want in the position. Help us to find exactly uh, your direction to get us to the right place of decision-making. God, show us what to do. And then In this particular context, my decision finally came down to two different people, and I had to choose one or the other. And so I went back to prayer, and this time I invited some trusted uh, confidants to pray with me about this matter. And I told them, I have to make a decision in the next 48 hours, and I want you to pour on the prayer that I will be able to make the right decision. And that was the first day, and I woke up the second day, and early in my prayer time on the second day, I had a very... Clear, convictional sense of who God wanted me to choose. And I made that decision and it proved to be the right one and a good one. Prayer is essential for leadership decision making among Christian leaders. Pray, 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 pray devotionally. God, I don't know what's coming at me today. I'm just praying generally for wisdom, insight, direction, guidance. God, give me all of that today as I make decisions. And then Specific issue praying, God, we're praying about this person on our team, starting this new location, initiating this kind of program, launching this kind of ministry. God, we want to keep bringing this specific matter before you day by day by day in prayer as you give us guidance about your decision. So the first step on the decision tree, the first step to making better decisions in ministry leadership is to pray. Second. A second step is to gather information related to the decision. Now, gathering information related to the decision can mean that you do studies, that you do research, that you read books or articles, that you interview people. It can mean a lot of different things, and I don't really have time on the program today to go into all those different kind of options, but you know as a leader that depending on the kind of decision that you're making is the kind of data that you need, and so you want to gather the right information related to the decision. Now, A number of years ago, I read a book by a man named Lee Iacocca. That's an old name for a lot of you, but he was actually very significant in the automobile industry here in America. He was on the team that developed the Mustang, and he was on the team that developed the minivan. So this was a man who was consequential in changing American automotive history. He ultimately became the president of Chrysler and went through the difficult time of the auto industry in this country in the 1970s and 80s, and then ultimately Uh, led that company back to great strength. In his book on leadership, he talks about the importance of gathering information to make decisions, but he also issues this warning, and I'd like to echo it to you. Gathering information is important until it leads to what's called analysis paralysis. What Iacocca proposed was this. He said there's something called the 90% rule. He said it takes about half the time to gather 90% of the information on a decision. And then it takes about another half of the time or about another equal amount of time to gather the last 10% of the information on a decision. Now get that in your mind. It takes about the same amount of time to get the first 90% of the information as it does to get the last 10% of the information. And what he said was this, market leaders, people who are on the cutting edge, People who are out front in leadership, they make the decision when they have 90% of the information in hand. They are not paralyzed until they get that last 10% known fully. Now think about that. Analysis paralysis is why some of you can't make better decisions because you don't feel confident in making a decision until you have every single possible thought, data point, idea, interview, everything in hand. And the reality is, given our information overload in our world today, you can almost never get all of the information in hand. But market leaders, real visionaries, leaders who stay ahead of the curve and make a real difference are those who can make the decision based on the 90% of the information. So pray And gather information related to the decision, but be sure you're willing to decide when you've gathered enough, not when you've gathered all of it. The third step is to consult the stakeholders. Now, who are these people? The stakeholders are people with a vested interest in the decision. A vested interest in the decision. So, for example, if you're thinking about changing the curriculum in the preschool section of your church's programming, You might want to talk with the people who teach in that section before you make an arbitrary decision. These are the stakeholders, the people who have to put into practice what you're proposing. If you're thinking about designing a new facility for your youth ministry, you might want to talk to the people who work in that ministry before you make the decisions about what it needs to look like. Consult the stakeholders. Now, listen carefully. Consult doesn't mean that you pull them and do exactly what they say because they may not have all the good ideas or all the final ideas, or in some cases they may have ideas that are so stuck in the past that, you know, they're not the best ideas, but nevertheless, you still need to consult the stakeholders because they are the people with a vested interest in the decision. And while you may not follow everything they say, It's vital that you at least hear from them, both to understand their circumstances, get a lay of the land of what they think needs to be done, and if possible, gain their ownership in the process, and then ultimately, hopefully, have them as your allies to implement the decision once it's made. Pray. Gather information. Consult the stakeholders. That leads us to step four, and that is deliberate about your decision. Deliberate about your decision. Think about it mull it over, meditate on it, study the problem, and reflect on your options. So you've prayed, you've gathered information, and you've consulted your stakeholders, and now you have the information in hand that frames the issues, gives you the data you need, helps you understand the directions you can go, and gives you the options that are before you. You're deliberating about your decision, and that deliberation Uh, Might go on for an hour, a day, a week, a month, even longer. But that deliberation can be open-ended as you mull, meditate, think on the problem and the possible solutions. Now, once you've moved into this phase, you can get then to number five. And that is propose options to counselors or consultants. Now, when I say consultant, I don't mean necessarily people that you have to hire or pay. I mean people that you can consult with, like, for example, a pastor down the street who's had a similar problem or another executive in another ministry organization who's dealt with a similar situation. Those can also be consultants in the sense of how I'm using the word today. Now, remember, I said that you consult stakeholders while you're gathering information and while you're trying to put together your options, but you propose solutions or options of solutions not to stakeholders, but to counselors or consultants, different group of people. Now, the fundamental difference is stakeholders are people who have a stake in the outcome. Counselors or consultants are people who don't. These are people from outside your church or outside your organization, or outside the sphere of influence of the people that are going to be impacted by the decision. These are people who can be Third-party observers who are frequently more objective about the situation, who can give you an honest opinion without having a dog in that fight, so to speak. These are counselors and consultants that you can propose options to and get reflection about what they see as the possibilities going forward. Now, pray, gather information, consult the stakeholders. Deliberate about your decision, and that may take a while. And then, while you're deliberating, propose options to counselors or consultants. Talk it over with people that you, have, that you know have been down the road you're on, maybe a little farther than you, who understand the situation, who can give you some input, and who don't necessarily have any emotional ties to the decision that needs to be made. Now we're to number six. Privately decide. In other words, make up your mind privately decide. Now, the first question that people always ask me when I teach on this is, well, when do you know to decide? How do you know when it's time to make, the, to make the call? I know, pray, gather information, consult stakeholders, deliberate, propose options. These things are all a process that can take a day, a week, a month, a year, depending on the size and scope of the decision, any kind of open-ended time. But how do you know When you've reached the point where you've heard enough and it's time to decide. Privately make up your mind. Well, two things I look for. Number one, when there is no deadline, I wait for inner peace. Now, this is part of spiritual leadership and Christian leadership that we believe God gives us peace when we've come to the right decision. If I've heard this once, I've heard it a thousand times. People say to me, well, I just had a peace about it. Now, we know what they mean. That's kind of Christian jargon for, I had an inner settledness. I had an inner conviction. I had an inner sense that this was the right thing to do. I I felt an emotional alignment with the situation and with what needed to happen. That's what we mean when we say we have a peace about something. Well, when there is no deadline, wait for inner peace. A lot of decisions that we have to make in leadership don't have a deadline. Their projects we're working on or issues that we're struggling with or things that are possibilities that might happen sometime in the future. We, we know that they're sort of open-ended. And in those circumstances, just wait for inner peace. But second, when there is a deadline, make the best decision in the time allotted. When there is no deadline, wait for inner peace. But when there is a deadline, make the best decision in the time allotted. For example, I work with a board of trustees and every spring we have a meeting that's established four years in advance. Our calendars are set because these are very busy people and it's challenging to get on their schedules. And so we do that far in advance. When our board of trustees comes together to meet every spring, they expect to adopt a budget and that budget becomes the spending plan. And in many cases, the marching orders, if you will, of our seminary going forward. Well, When it comes to the board meeting, uh, we have a pattern here of about three weeks before the meeting, we have to distribute all the background materials for the meeting, all the recommendations and all the data points and all the studies and all the stuff that supports all the things that we're going to discuss in that meeting. And this can run into dozens, if not sometimes hundreds of pages of background materials. So three weeks before the meeting, all this has to be sent out. The board expects a budget. That's a deadline. They want to vote on it in the meeting. They want to see it three weeks before. They want time to read it, study it, process it, and be prepared to act upon it. Now, if I came to the meeting and I said, well, I've been praying about it and gathering information, and I talked to some stakeholders, and I've really been deliberating about this budgeting problem, and I went so far as to talk it over with some other executives some other locations about some things that we might do to solve some of our budgeting dilemmas. But quite frankly, I, I just don't have a decision yet. Well, I can assure you, I wouldn't be president very long if I made that kind of if I repeated that kind of pattern over and over again. There's a deadline, and the board expects me to make the best decision possible in the time allotted, and then we just all live with it. And you may say, "Yeah, but it, it's not a perfect decision. It, it, it's not a complete decision." It, no, it's not perfect, and it's certainly not complete. But it is timely. When there's a deadline. Make the decision in the time allotted. I sometimes am frustrated when I go to a church and I hear a pastor say, well, I wasn't really sure what to preach this week, and I really struggled with it, and I don't want to hear that. Make a decision. You have a time allotment. You know that Sunday's coming. Every week Sunday comes. Every Sunday you have to preach. God knows this. Your people know this. You should know this. Make a decision and declare the word of God to me. It's a timed deadline decision. Make it. So privately decide. Make up your mind. When there is no deadline, wait for inner peace. When there is a deadline, make the best decision in the time allotted and move on. Now, number seven, slight difference, publicly decide. Do you hear the difference? Number six was privately decide. Number seven is publicly decide. You say, well, is there a difference? There certainly is. As a leader, I often must decide things first of all myself before I can ever start the process of leading my organization through decision making to come to the ultimate conclusion. When I make a decision, for example, relating to staffing, I then have to meet with staff and explain the decision and show them how it's going to flesh out and produce new job descriptions and share how it's going to be an impact in the budget and talk about what it's going to look like as we change offices and create new space and all the things that go along with that. The private decision is not the same as the public decision. The private decision is me coming to a conviction, an inner peace-based decision, or a time-deadline based decision about what needs to happen. But leading an organizational decision-making process is much slower and can be somewhat more complex and does require a little bit of time. One of the biggest mistakes that leaders make is making private decisions, announcing them, and expecting their organizations to respond immediately with great affirmation because, after all, the leader has spoken. Well, that's an unrealistic expectation in most ministry organizations. Most organizations want to follow their leaders, but they want to follow them by working through the process of the decision and the implications of the decision and the results of the decision and knowing how to take it forward together. So publicly deciding means that you lead a thorough organizational decision-making process, and that you recognize the time needed to implement the decision fully, and that the time needed for implementation is actually a part of the decision-making process itself. Too many leaders think the decision-making process ends at the moment that they privately make up their mind that something needs to happen. That's not the final step. It's an important step, but that just leads us to the next step, which is to then publicly decide to share your private decision, to work it through your leadership processes, to take it to the full implementation so that new processes are put into place, new budget allocations are developed, new strategies are, are assigned, new re- facilities are constructed, our facilities are reallocated in terms of how they're going to be used, all of these kinds of things. And then finally, The last step in the decision-making process is to manage the consequences and the results of your decision. There are two kinds of consequences and results, intended and unintended. The intended consequences and results are those things that you assumed would happen, you planned to happen, you hoped would happen, you anticipated would happen. And every decision has these, and hopefully most of the results are intended but there are also unintended results consequences and results that you had not anticipated you did not see coming you didn't think about any point in the process but now they're here they're with you and you got to manage those managing the unintended results or the unintended consequences is the final and most uh, final part of completing the decision making process so let's review We wanna make better decisions in ministry leadership. Ministry leaders have to make a lot of decisions. We make them every day, every week, every month, every year. It's part of being a leader. Rapid, repeated, consistent decision-making. How can you make better decisions? By putting this decision tree into practice. Pray, gather information, consult your stakeholders. Then deliberate about your decision. Study the problem and the solutions. Then, propose options to your counselors or consultants. Get some outside input, people with no skin in the game who can give you honest appraisal of what they think needs to happen. And then, as you've prayed, gathered information, talked to stakeholders, deliberated, and talked to consultants and counselors, you'll be ready to privately decide. Once you make up your mind, if there's no deadline when you get inner peace, if there is a deadline when the deadline comes, then... You announce your decision publicly and you work through the public decision-making process, which leads to consequences and results, some intended, some unintended, and all have to be managed. Good decision-making starts with prayer and ends with fully managing all the results that take place because of the decision. This is a way to make better decisions. It's a little plan I've been using for years. It helps me to think through and work through things I offer it to you today for your use and making better decisions as you lead on.